0: Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. The title is, In Preparation for the Unknown Tomorrow. All of you, all of you, including me, will have an unknown tomorrow. Your tomorrow that is coming will not look like today. That tomorrow will be difficult and tough, but it'll also be victorious. My subtitle is, The Process God Uses to Fulfill His Purposes Through Your Life. The main title, In Preparation for an Unknown Tomorrow And the subtitle is The Process God Uses to Fulfill His Purposes Through Your Life. We're going to begin in verse 39. Let me give you a little background. Jesus Christ is eight days old. His parents have presented him in the temple. Anna and Simeon have worshipped him. God has answered their prayers. And now they are preparing to go home. And so that's where we're going to break into this text okay beginning with verse 39 and when they speaking of joseph and mary had performed everything according to the law of the lord law of the lord they returned into galilee to their own town of nazareth and the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom and the favor of god was upon him verse 41 i want you to pay attention now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. So from eight days old till 12, I'm going to say not later, but from eight days old to 12, they went to Jerusalem every year at the time of Passover. Remember that. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and listened to these next five words and was submissive to them and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man this is god's word for god's people and all god's people said thanks be to god amen let me pray a moment father i pray that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom to understand That this is more than information. And I pray, Lord, that what we hear will become revelation. Revelation in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. And that we will be able to combine this spirit of wisdom and this revelation together. So that our eyes of understanding might be open. So that we might understand the work that you are doing through us and the work that you plan to do for us. Give us this morning faith that will move mountains. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak about the unknown tomorrow. I want to speak about you having a turnaround in your life. Now, I want you to understand that turnaround never happens in isolation. It includes your circumstances, number one. And two, it includes other people. For example, Moses, the great leader of Israel, did not become the great leader the day the Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush. It started a long time before this. When his mother, in a time of peril for the little boys, Hebrew boys, by faith put him in a basket in the River Nile, through God's providence, Pharaoh's daughter happened to be down there that day, heard the crying baby, found him in a little basket, an ark, we could call it, and decided to adopt This Hebrew boy, again in God's providence, she chose Moses' mother, Jochebed, to be his nursemaid. And he is raised in the Egyptian schools, learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians. But at the same time, he's on his mother's lap, hearing the wonderful stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses became a prince of Egypt, but he identified with the Hebrew boys. One day he decided to do a good deed. He saw an Egyptian taskmaster, and this was not the first time that Egyptian taskmaster had beaten a Hebrew, but this day Moses decided to intervene. He slew this Egyptian taskmaster, but he th- and he thought that now my Hebrew brothers would appreciate what I have done. And Maybe stand behind me. But instead they rejected him. And because of their rejection, Moses fled to the wilderness where he would live for 40 years. Nothing happens in isolation. There is a process to what God is doing. Chase a rabbit here. They don't really want to do that. But I want you to understand why did Moses have to go to the wilderness for 40 years? Just one little hint. This is where he is going to take the children of Israel. God had put him there so he would be familiar with the area and the surroundings and the land. Why did he put him in an Egyptian palace? So that he would know Egyptian? He would know the customs and the wisdom of the very people that he was going to confront and bring the children of Israel out. Sometimes you don't realize all that God is doing and why he is doing it. But turnaround does not begin in isolation. It's a process of the circumstances that are going on in your life. And hopefully in the next two or three, four weeks, I'll show you some sermons about circumstances and how God works in our lives this is just an introduction but not only that people are important in this process you may not like that but that is because I'm going to tell you God is going to take you to the unfamiliar God is going to take you to the unknown God is going to take you where you've never been before and so that means your tomorrow does not look at all Like you're today. God is taking you somewhere. And he is preparing you for that place that he is taking you. But he will prepare you. Why? Because the turnaround in your life will eventually become a place where there's a public acknowledgement by you. What we call a testimony. What we call your story of what God has done for you. And you will be able to say, I started here, here was the process, and here's where God brought me out to victory. See, God wants you to understand, when you do come out, that it was He who gave you the victory. I need you to understand something. The victory that you are going to receive is not just about you. Your victory, first of all, is about God. And second, about it is about us. And number three, it is about you. I overuse it, but Deanna has a testimony. You know God raised her up off the hospital bed with a subdural hematoma. She has a story to tell, and it's a public story to tell. It is a testimony, but let me tell you something. It's not about her first and foremost, and she would tell you that. It is about God, and how God intervened, and how God touched, and how God raised him up. And second of all, it's about you and us, because you believe God for a miracle that God would raise her up. And not just you, but people all around the world. This past week, a young lady who grew up in the, I think, the red church, who lives off in northwest Arkansas now. You say the red church. We, we've had three churches here. You don't know that. But this is, used, we, call, we used to call this the purple church because of the purple carpet. The building over there where the kids are right now used to, is the, used to be the blue church because it had a blue carpet. And then there was a red church with a red carpet over there where the nursery's at. Well, she was back in the red carpet days, I think. But she called Deanna because she wanted to know if she could use the fellowship hall for a meal for a loved one who's about to pass away. And she told Deanna, I prayed for you during that time. I watched what God was doing. These works that God is going to do in your tomorrow, belongs to all of us. First to God, then to us, and then to you. It's about Jesus. It's about his church. It's about his people. It's about you. The story of Joseph, for example, is not about Joseph, but it's about God Bring the people of Israel into the land of Egypt so he could protect them for 400 years and he used Joseph to do that. And we'll talk about that in a sermon. But there's no turnarounds in isolation. It always happens in a group of things. A group of processes and a group of people. There's process to turnarounds. I want to tell you four things to remember. Nothing happens in isolation. Tomorrow will not look like today. Thank God. It's not about you, but Jesus and his church, number three. And number four, and there is a process to turnarounds. There's a process to success. There's a process to ultimate victories. Now, I'm going to tell you something. All of us would prefer that it be an instantaneous miracle. Miracle. But usually it's not. It's a process. So when you begin to walk with God, tighten the seatbelt. Put on a good pair of shoes. Maybe you have an extra pair because there's a process, there's a journey, there's a trip where God has taken you. And so I want us to look at preparation. I want to look at the very the most important thing that you need to understand. On this journey in this process God wants you prepared God wants you prepared I want you to say this with me I'll tell you what God wants me prepared say that with me God wants me prepared let's say a little letter God wants me prepared now I want you to say it this way God wants me prepared For my unknown tomorrow. Let's say it that way. God wants me prepared for my unknown tomorrow. That means that it's God's intention. But that by the time he is done, you are prepared for what he is going to do next. God is on your side. God is with you. God is for you. And God is going to prepare you for what he, who he wants you to be what he needs you to be, and how he needs to use you for his purpose. Let me say it again. God is going to prepare you for who he wants you to be, what he needs you to be, and how he needs to use you for his purposes. And there's no better person to look at than the Lord Jesus Christ to understand this process. And we're not going to be able to look at all of it, but we'll look at some of it. I want us to look at Jesus Christ this morning before the cross before the miracles before the sermons before the crowds even before he called the disciples we read about it Joseph and Mary and a 12 year old Jesus are in Jerusalem and they go into the temple which is considered the center of Jerusalem now remember Jesus Christ has been in this temple from the age of one to the age of 11, now he's 12. And when Jesus walks into the temple this time, get this, he suddenly takes everything in. He realizes there's something different about him. Now, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, in the Old Testament, God, which refers to Trinity, had visited the tabernacle of Moses. When he had finished it, the presence of God, the glory of God was unveiled. It was a visible manifestation of the invisible God in that tabernacle. Later, Solomon would build a temple, and the same thing would happen. The presence of God inhabited that temple, and the reason they knew it, the glory of God appeared, and so there was a Visible manifestation of the invisible God. But that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. Zerubbabel built another temple. Herod improved it. But there was never time that God visited this temple. Until this day, when a boy from Nazareth named Jesus, 12 years old, realizes he is home. It's his second home. His first home is in heaven. But this is his second home. And he realizes it. And for the first time, it dawns on him that he has a call and that he has a ministry. His parents go about doing everything they need to do. And it's time to go. Jesus is caught up in the moment and he wants to stay. Now he doesn't see Nazareth as his hometown anymore But he sees Jerusalem at his own town where he will rule and reign for a thousand years in the future during the millennium. He doesn't see the small little house of Joseph, Mary, and Nazareth as his house. But now he sees the temple as his house. He doesn't really see Joseph and Mary as his parents anymore. He sees God as his father. He doesn't see himself subject to Joseph and Mary And so when they leave, he stays behind. And they are gone for about a day. There's there's safety in numbers. there with the caravan from the Nazareth area. They assume that Jesus is with his aunt and uncle or with some of his friends, family friends. But at the end of that day, they realize that, whoa, Jesus is gone. And so they leave the protection of that caravan and they go back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. The city is now emptied out. The crowds are gone. I imagine it really looks like a big place when it's empty. They spent three days. I can't imagine where they went, where they thought Jesus might be. But three days. Now, as A.W. Pink, I probably preached resurrection there, but we'll move on. (laughs) You get what I'm saying, right, (laughs) James? Three days looking for him. Finally, they decide, well, let's go to the temple. They walk in the temple, and every day in the temple, there's these teachers in a circle, and they're discussing the Scripture and the things of God. And in the middle of that circle is a 12-year-old boy from Nazareth. And he's asking questions and answering questions, and they're all amazed at this 12-year-old boy, except one person. His mother. She breaks into that circle. She approaches Jesus. What are you doing? You scared us to death. We didn't know what happened to you. And very calmly, he says, You should have known that I'd be about my father's business. Where else would I be? I know he wore you out with this, pastor before me, because he wore me out with it. How many times did you hear, I've never missed church? And he got to the place, I've not missed church in 58 years. But where else would Brother Freddie be? Go to Ecuador, guess what? We didn't really have church on Sunday night, different culture, but the American church down the road had service, and guess who trotted down to the Sunday night service in Ecuador? Where else would he be? Where else would a person be who realizes that God is their father, but in the Father's house? Where else would I be? What has happened? The eyes of Jesus has been open. He realizes that this is his purpose. He didn't realize at 11. He didn't realize it at 10. He didn't realize it at 8. He didn't realize it at 6. He didn't realize it at 4. But the age of 12, God revealed to him his purpose for being. His eyes have been open. This is my purpose, he's saying. I'm here to be with God. This is my father's house. Where else would I be but with my father? To do God's work. But then he realizes that Mary and Joseph are not as excited as he is. His mother and father smile. They don't understand really what's going on. Mary will guard some of these things in their heart, but he realizes in their doubt and in their misunderstanding and in their silence, he realizes something. What does he realize? He realizes it's best to go back home, back to Nazareth. It is interesting to know that before this time, when it refers to Jesus, it refers to him as a child, but it will never refer to Jesus again. He'll never be refer to again as a child from this time on. He's no longer a child, but he's a man. And when he returned to Nazareth this time, he realized that everything they were talking about in the temple in Jerusalem, they were talking about him. When they talked about the Messiah, they were talking about him. When they were talking about the sacrifices, they were talking about him. When they were talking about the prophecies and the promises, they were talking about him. But he goes home, and guess what? No one puts him on a pedestal. No one recognizes who he is. He's just the son of a carpenter and every day he goes with his dad to the carpenter shop, picks up a hammer and saw, and goes to work. But you know what he had to do? He had to submit to them. It never says before, when he's 8, 9, 10, six, five, four, he submitted. But at the age of 12, the Son of God, Messiah made a decision to submit to Mary and Joseph. It doesn't say he submitted to God, though he did, but he submitted to God by submitting to his parents, by obeying the command that says, you shall honor your father and your mother, where God had put him. I want you to see the humility here. Before Mary and Joseph were, he was. He was their creator. He was their savior. He was their God. He was their Lord. They were chosen by God, but he was the chosen one of God. He was a prophesied one of God. He was the promised one of God. And when you're in Nazareth, you are as far away as being Messiah as anybody could be. And in Nazareth, he's no different than anyone else. I found in it after the first journey to Nazareth when he's a baby, it says the favor of God was upon him. But when he left, back, left the next it says he had favor with God and with man. And that's what happens if you learn to submit. Listen, every one of us, I'm talking to you. Now I'm talking to me. Everyone to be victorious in tomorrow that's unknown must begin with submission. Amen. Thank you. I got one. I'm glad you didn't leave. People don't like it. Hang on. You're to submit to your pastor. You're to submit to the church. You're to submit to one another. Wives. Don't get mad. You're to submit to your husband, and husbands, you're to submit to the Lord, and by doing so, you are submitting to your wife. Kids, children, teenagers, ought to go get that children's church. You have to submit to your parents. Jesus had to submit. He decided to submit. You and I have to learn to submit to the authority. In our lives God is trying to teach us today how to submit so you will be prepared for your unknown tomorrow and I know what you're thinking it's just Pastor Phil and you're right I know preachers get a little high and mighty about themselves now I'm gonna tell you what what preachers really are we're manure carriers I wish I could say it differently. <laughs> but we carry manure. In Luke chapter 13, the owner of a vineyard puts a fig tree in this vineyard. I'm going to want to preach a sermon on this, but it won't It doesn't produce fruit. And the caretaker of this fig tree, you're the fig tree, okay? Hopefully you're fruit bearing Fig tree, but this fig tree, let's see, let me pick a member. No, it's a producing fruit. And the owner, who has every right to cut it down, wants to cut it down. And the caretaker says, No, no, let's don't cut it down. Let me dig a trench around it and let's put some manure around it and water it and care for it. Now, you can look at manure two ways. I grew up in southeastern Colorado, Panhandle, Texas, and we have large feedlots. I worked in the third largest one in the world at that time. And with the wind is blowing the right way, you can smell it for a long ways off. But the saying was, if you had cattle in that feedlot and you could smell it, it, it smelled like money. And if you didn't have cattle, <laughs> it smelled like manure. And you might think, he's nobody. Pastor Phil carries manure, but you have to learn submission, even if you are the greater, even if you're the smartest, even if you are superior. There's times that all of us have to learn submission and must submit to be ready for the unknown tomorrow. Be sure to join us next week for part two of this message. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. The world is in chaos. You're here for a purpose. What does the Bible have to say about it all? I'm Mark Taylor, host of Crosspoint Podcast and Radio Show, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I navigate the complexities of faith, culture, and personal growth. Each week, I interview a different guest who is making an impact on the culture of, for God's kingdom. Whether you're seeking spiritual guidance, true information, or a fresh perspective, this podcast equips you to discern truth in today's chaotic world when Christianity intersects with everyday life that's where you'll find Crosspoint. sometimes discussing the issues that some churches don't want to talk about look up cross point with Mark Taylor wherever you get your podcast produced by KNO radio and the sky high podcast network